You're listening to the Inside the Shoe podcast, presented by Land of Ten. I am the one who knocks. And now here's your host, Kyle Land. Good Monday, everybody. Welcome back to the Inside the Shoe podcast, presented by LandOf10.com. I am your host, Kyle Lamb. Hope you had a great weekend. You know, I got a question to ask you guys. For those of you that have gym memberships, do you remember the old uh, Friends episode? I think it was back in, like, season four, where Chandler is trying to uh, trying to cancel his gym membership and he's unable to quit and he has to take Ross with him and he keeps saying I just want to quit the gym well this weekend I was out searching for gym a gym membership and I went to you know Planet Fitness LA Fitness the usual suspects and it's amazing how true that episode really was it was right on point it really is difficult to go to a gym and, and quit. Like I, I was actually looking to get a membership and I found myself quivering at the high pressure sales tactics and the you must sign up today. This very one time special is only going to be here until the end of the day. And and I kept saying I really wanted to go home and think about it. And uh, this one particular guy, one of the the sales guys at one of the gyms was just like, you know, this this is only going away. What? Why do you got to think about it? And man, it really was like I felt like Chandler Bing. I just want to quit the gym. But uh, the happy news is I decided on a gym membership, and hopefully I will put it to use. Uh, but that was my weekend in a nutshell. Just thought that was kind of funny that the uh, the Friends episode I remember from the '90s was right on point when it came to gym memberships. Uh, so I love the off season because, you know, even though there really isn't a lot of actual football to talk about every once in a while, you get these juicy little nuggets, uh, you know, s- things you're looking for storylines to talk about. And boy, oh boy, did Charles Woodson, our, our friend, our old favorite guy from the university of Michigan, former Ohio product, who was a, a kind of a chatty Kathy in his career, with the Wolverines. He, he gave us some more uh, juicy stuff to talk about today, and I'm going to get into that uh, a little bit later. I also want to talk about Joe Burrow. We finally have a landing spot from the weekend for Burrow. He will be playing his football at LSU, and this is going to be an interesting litmus test for Ohio State's quarterback situation up in Columbus, and I'm going to tell you why here later, but you know Buckeye fans are going to be doing a lot of scoreboard watching in Baton Rouge this upcoming season because if Dwayne Haskins comes out and does not perform or does not perform maybe to expectations, there's going to be so much second-guessing in Columbus. Did Urban Meyer make the right choice? Even if it was a choice only by default and he did not actually pick Dwayne Haskins, there are going to be so many people that are going to be looking at, at Burroughs' stats. And, oh, Nelly, I can't wait till that November game uh, in Death Valley against Alabama. Everybody's going to be curious to see how Burrow does in that one, uh, especially that one, because it's going to be such a huge game. LSU fans surprisingly seem to be, and I'm only going by the Internet, which, of course, is never wrong, but judging and gauging the reaction on the Internet, it, it certainly seems that, LSU fans are extremely excited by Burrow being their starting quarterback, 
at least presumed starting quarterback this year. They think he can lead them back to the promised land, maybe even beat Alabama and win the SEC West. I think that is presumptuous. I certainly think Burrow is talented enough to to lead them there. Uh, but uh, I think thinking they can win the SEC West probably a little too quick, a little too premature. But I do want to talk about the Burrow transfer here in a few minutes. But before I get back that to that, let's talk about this Charles Woodson thing. You may recall last month speaking at commitment at commencement uh, up at the University of Michigan. Charles Woodson basically telling. Uh, you know, telling students that he thinks Ohio State will go down in the season finale this year to Michigan. And this is really nothing new for Charles Woodson because, like I said, he's been a chatty Cathy his entire career. You got to respect the guy from the standpoint that he was a heck of a player and he was never afraid to speak out about something. And, and for the most part, he backed up his statements on the field. Now, the 1997 the Heisman Trophy thing was a joke because he was a great cover corner. But let's be honest, he got that Heisman Trophy simply because he played both ways. He caught a couple passes occasionally, and you know he was a good receiver. He was certainly a playmaker, but let, let's be honest and call him what he was. He was a guy that just you know covered covered guys, covered the best receivers, and then came over, played a couple of offensive snaps a game, and that created this big mega giant of a brand, and it turned him into a Heisman winner. And Peyton Manning down at Tennessee should have been the Heisman winner that particular season. But regardless of Charles Woodson being gifted a Heisman trophy, he was still a great player, and he backed it up. Now, he made these comments at commencement saying that Ohio State would finally lose to Michigan this upcoming year. And I'm not even going to get, get into that because who really knows, right? I mean, we don't know. These predictions are so stupid. When Jim Harbaugh guaranteed victory over Ohio State back in his senior season, that could have easily gone wrong. He could have just as easily lost that game. These predictions are stupid. You know, if everybody could back up everything they thought or said, uh, there would be nobody losing games ever. So sooner or later, we got to say that these predictions are just they're just words. They don't really actually mean anything. Mike Hart predicted victory for Michigan back in 2004. And guess what? That didn't work out so well for the Wolverines. So these guarantees really don't mean much. But I thought that Charles Woodson, speaking to the Detroit Free Press this weekend, said something interesting. And I, I think it shows how much pressure is really on Michigan right now to start beating Ohio State. Woodson said that Ohio State, or I'm sorry, Michigan and the coaching staff, and the, particularly the players, have not been putting enough emphasis on the game in recent years. And I think that's, that is a little bit of Woodson trying to rationalize why Michigan has been so poor in this series. I mean, if you think back to the uh, 2001 season when Jim Trestle took over, Michigan has only felt the thrill of victory against Ohio State twice. That's two times in 17 years. It really is incredible. And growing up, uh, seeing this rivalry from my perspective, my family being Ohio State fans, you know, my friends being Ohio State fans, 
all I remember growing up is is seeing Michigan beat Ohio State year after year. I, you know, back in 1994, or I'm sorry, 1992, when Ohio State had the tie, remember President E. Gordon Gee saying it was the greatest victory in Ohio State history. And, and that was such a ridiculous comment. But it just goes to show at that time, Ohio State was just so snake-bitten in this rivalry by Michigan. And to be able to call or have the gall to call a tie against your rival the greatest win, especially for a program like Ohio State that was top five at that time in all-time winning percentage and wins, uh, that really is a ridiculous statement to make. And it was because Ohio State was being owned by Michigan and the John Cooper years, that was, you know, every year it was the same thing. Ohio State had talent. Ohio State would win a lot of games. They would get to the end of the season. They would lose to Michigan, and then they would lose in the bowl game. And the season ended on a sour note. And if you think about it, there was some truth back then. Remember, John Cooper tried so hard to downplay the importance of Michigan to Ohio State season. He thought that the media and the fans were putting too much on that rivalry and he always used to say, you know, don't don't make Michigan bigger than they are. And to some degree there has been some of that with Michigan Lloyd Carr, I think towards the end when Jim Trestle was there, I think he tried to downplay it a little bit, maybe not as much as Cooper did. But I don't sense that with Michigan right now. Uh Rich Rodriguez, I think was a lot like John Cooper. He had the deer in the headlights look. And I don't think he understood the rivalry quite as much. And I think if Charles Woodson is pointing to the Rich Rodriguez years, then yeah, you could say Rich Rodriguez was a lot like John Cooper and that he was trying to downplay Ohio State. But let's be honest, Brady Hoke certainly was not downplaying Ohio State. He was trying to get under you know, Ohio's skin. Uh, you know, the whole Ohio thing was the mark of a coach that treated Ohio State like a rival and was trying to do everything he could for showmanship. And Jim Harbaugh has certainly not been treating Ohio State. I mean, you you listen to the Michigan players. They talk about how they prepare for Ohio State all year long. You look at what Jim Harbaugh says about beating Ohio State. There is There has been none of that from the Michigan angle, the Michigan side of things in the last several years, with the exception of those three or four years that Rodriguez was around. You have not seen Michigan try to downplay this rivalry other than to try to excuse away the fact that they've only won twice since 2001. That would be the only reason that any Michigan fan or player would want to downplay this rivalry. So when you hear Charles Woodson come out and talk about Michigan not treating this rivalry the way it needs to be treated, to me... That's just another way of him trying to justify or rationalize why the Wolverines have not beat Ohio State in recent years. I don't think he actually thinks that. He knows that Jim Harbaugh and his staff and Michigan fans and Michigan players want badly to beat Ohio State. They just haven't got it done. They have not been able to do it. They haven't been worse for them is they've been second fiddle in their own state. Michigan State has been beating them regularly since Mark D'Antonio showed up. They're losing out recruits routinely to the Spartans, and that cannot feel good if you are a Michigan fan. So Charles Woodson, I have no problem with him saying 
anything about the rivalry, you know, the fact that they haven't been successful. I have, I have no problems with him guaranteeing a victory for Michigan this upcoming season, funny though as it may be. But this is, this is proof right here of how bad this series has gotten under the, the skin of Michigan alums and Michigan fans. And I love every minute of it because really it is incredible to see the John Cooper years for Ohio State get completely erased and this series has flipped completely. It is Michigan now every year that goes in with a lot of self-doubt. It wonders if it can win the game. And it's trying to downplay it publicly by saying it needs to be bigger. It's actually being downplayed because these guys do not think Ohio State can be beaten on a routine basis by Michigan right now. That's not to say that Michigan won't go in into Columbus this year and beat Ohio State. That might happen. Michigan is going to have a senior-laden team. They're going to have a talented team. They're going to have a new quarterback. It's certainly possible that Michigan finally pulls off the victory, but they don't expect it, and I think that's why you're seeing these kind of comments come from Charles Woodson and other alums right now. So getting back into this Joe Burrow thing, um, I want you to hit me up on Twitter. Feel free to reach out. You know, we're talking about... uh, we talked about the Charles Woodson comments. What do you feel about them? Them? Do you think he's? Uh, do you follow my line of thinking here? My logic that he's trying to rationalize the lack of success. Hit me up on Twitter at KYLAM, the number eight. Tell me what you think about that, uh, and tell me what you think about the Joe Burrow transfer. Do you agree with me? Are you going to be watching Joe Burrow this year? And are you going to be doing it out of sheer curiosity as to how he plays at LSU? Are you going to be doing it because you're going to be comparing, you know, what does he look like relative to Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State? Uh, feel free to tweet at me. I'm, I'm curious how you feel about that. I, I have a theory here, and I mentioned it. I really think people are going to be watching Joe Burrow in Columbus this year. And, and I think some of it is just natural curiosity because we've seen, like Haskins, we've seen some flashes. We've seen small parts of what Burrow can do at quarterback. But I also think that there are some fans that were uncertain as to who should have been the starting quarterback this year. And I think Burrow transferring was more by default than Urban Meyer making a decision. But it was also because Urban Meyer, I think, did not want to make the wrong decision. I think it was just easier to let Burrow make it for him. And because of the uncertainty there and because of the competition and there not really being a true leader to step out, not really being someone that was head of the pack and and be the clear choice for quarterback, it's going to be easy for fans to continue second-guessing all season long. And because Burrow is at another big-time program, a name program, great with name recognition, and because of that matchup with Alabama sitting there in late November, early November in the SEC West race, it's going to be a heck of a lot of fun to follow what Burrow does for the Tigers. And I know there are three quarterbacks there. There's no guarantee, at least outwardly, that Burrow will be the starter. But let's be honest, when you give a four-hour pitch, and that's reportedly what it was, LSU, uh, Ed Orgeron and his staff sitting down and giving four hours of video trying to go through how they would utilize Burrow, with that kind of uh, full-court pressure, full-court press put on, you know that LSU absolutely is in dire straits. Uh, For a quarterback, they wanted Burrow. Burrow will be the guy. 
I'm very much looking forward to Burrow play for LSU. I want him to do well. I think I think Ohio State fans want Joe Burrow to do well. I don't think there's anybody rooting against him. Uh, there might be a few people rooting for him, and maybe there are some people that wanted Burrow as a starter. I thought Burrow would be the better choice right now. We can only see what will happen. I'm not going to be one of those guys to say in November if Burrow is having a better season. Oh, yeah, looky here, I told you so. Then That's just not something I'm going to do because I, I believe in Dwayne Haskins' potential, and I'm okay with him being the starter. But I'm just saying it will be interesting to track throughout the year to see what Burrow does for the Tigers. And it's just going to be natural for people to sit there and just say, what if, you know, what if Burrow had stayed? What if he were the starting quarterback? Hopefully, uh, for Ohio State's sake, Dwayne Haskins puts up that, you know, the Ryan Leaf uh, 1997 season I was talking about where he had almost 4,000 yards and 34 touchdowns and, and 11 picks. Hopefully, you know, Dwayne Haskins has fewer picks than that. You know, maybe if he's in the single digits, eight, nine interceptions, and puts up nearly 4,000 yards and 30 some touchdowns, if that happens, I don't think there's going to be much second guessing. And so, hopefully, for Ohio State, we won't have to uh, bring up this discussion in November. But rest assured, if, if Haskins has a three pick game and uh, Ohio State loses once or twice with him at quarterback and Burrow leads LSU to an undefeated regular season, or a one-loss regular season, you know that those discussions are definitely going to come up. And it will be interesting to watch. Hopefully, though, you know, I know Buckeye fans are just hoping for the best. They're hoping Haskins is the right guy for the starting quarterback at Ohio State, and he goes on to big and really great things for the Buckeyes going forward. So before I wrap the show up today, I have one quick note here in the Buckeye News Du Jour segment, uh, a little basketball note that I wanted to throw in. Uh, Tomorrow, May 22nd, uh, on Tuesday afternoon, uh, four-star basketball uh, forward Romeo Weems, he's a 6'8 forward out of New Haven uh, High School in, in Michigan. He listed a final five here this past weekend of Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Oregon and DePaul, and he will be making his choice among those five schools tomorrow. Uh, now, before anybody, he is a great player, but before anybody gets their hopes up too high, I should point out that on the 24-7 Sports Crystal Ball uh, predictions, Romeo Weems is 100% uh, going to Michigan State in the Crystal Balls. Now, I should also point out that all but two of those were made uh, last fall, only two of those have been in recent months, and both of those were back in April. So maybe there's some wiggle room for that to change. I don't think so. It certainly sounds like the Spartans are Weems' favorite, but it is interesting. Ohio State is in his final five, so uh, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Ohio State, of course, trying to add more to the 2019 class. They have the point guard transfer, uh, Walker, CJ Walker, out of Florida State, and then of course they have Alonzo Gaffney a top 25 player from up in Garfield Heights. Big time player for the Buckeyes, and they're trying to add to that class. Most likely, we'll take two, maybe three more players in this class. Uh, We'll see how that goes. Remember, the Cavs play tonight at 8.30 on ESPN, uh, trying to even the series up 2-2 with Boston. LeBron got a lot of help in Game 3. We'll see if they can turn that uh, around in this series and go back to Boston at 2-2. If they can get that kind of help from Kyle Korver and Kevin Love and definitely J.R. Smith, 
And, you know, even Larry Nance played well. Tristan Thompson played well. They got a lot of production from the, the rest of the starters and the bench. If they can get that kind of production, I look for the Cavs to go back 2-2 to Boston. And, and I still think Cleveland will win this series. But we'll see tonight. Hopefully Cleveland can come close to repeating that kind of defensive performance and maybe shoot some shoot con, continually well, uh, shoot as well as they did in Game 3 as well. If so then the Cavs should win this game tonight as well. If they don't give that kind of effort, uh, the series could very well be over. So anyhow, folks, that is going to wrap things up. I appreciate you making me a part of your Monday. Tune in tomorrow. Uh, the rest of the week, we've got Ryan Ginn coming in. We'll talk some more Ohio State offseason football. And I'd like to talk to him more about Burrow being at LSU because him being an LSU graduate, I'm sure he's going to have an interesting take on that. And we'll have Ryan Donnelly later this week for some recruiting information. Hopefully, we'll have another guest or two along the way. So uh, we'll be back at you tomorrow. Feel free to check out the show Monday through Friday starting at 10 a.m. on landof10.com, on the archives, Google Play, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Thanks again for making me a part of your money. We'll be back at you tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel. I am your host, Kyle Lamb. Catch me on Twitter at KYLamb. See you tomorrow. Go Bucks.